Welcome to Brave Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us today. We're in a series on Sundays going through the Gospel of Mark. We believe the kind of church Jesus came to start is more than a crowd. It's friends on a mission living life together. Another great way to connect further is through social media, where there is content designed to inspire and inform you. Here's this week's talk. Hey, uh, next Sunday, we're going to be starting a new series entitled Kingdom Values from the book of Mark. And today we're going to be teaching from Colossians chapter 3. If you didn't get your programs, just raise your hand. You're going to want to have your notes. The ushers along the side, raise their hand. They'll get those to you. And I want to read from our passage this morning in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Last summer, I was over near uh, Stanford spending some off-season time with Zach Ertz. You may know him as the tight end for the Eagles, and he scored the winning touchdown in this year's Super Bowl. Uh, I know him as a really sincere, humble man of God. In fact, he recently started a foundation to help people in the Bay Area, in Philadelphia, and in Haiti. And Zach just loves people. He loves his family. He loves Jesus. Anyways, we were just hanging out and uh, did some devotions together, went to dinner, went to his favorite coffee spot, and uh, walked around some. And we were on our way back, and Zach starts talking smack with me about the upcoming football season, and my loyalty to the Raiders. And he jokingly says to me, you know, the Eagles are coming. And then he says, you need to get your mind right. (laughs) And he was telling me that that if I didn't see myself right, if I didn't see myself as an Eagle fan, that my mind wasn't right. That's what he was saying to me. And it was all in fun. But the truth is, how you see yourself matters. Life is way too important not to have your heart and mind right. Because this passage says, set your hearts on things above. And the word heart means the desires, the the desires that you seek after in life. Let those desires of the heart be on things that are above. And then he says, set your, your mind your heart, your mind on things above, not on earthly things, meaning your mind is to be set on and controlled by things above. You decide what your mind will focus on. Getting your mind right gets your life right, and great things will come your way. With two minutes, 25 seconds remaining in the Super Bowl, the Eagles were trailing by a single point when Zach lined up wide against the Patriots' safety. In a single man-to-man coverage, he ran for a few yards before cutting to the inside on a slant route, caught the ball on the six-yard line, took three steps, and then dove across the goal line. He gave the Eagles the winning touchdown. I want you to check this out. I want you to check out this clip. This is an example of focus and of a fixed mind. Point game. First things first. Third down and seven from the 12. Backwards out wide, one-on-one. Clement flares out to the right. Pulling over the middle and into the end zone. Zach Ertz for the touchdown. And again, all you can think back to now is 
the Jesse James play with Pittsburgh. Does he complete the process? I don't know. I, that ball comes loose. He does catch it. But at what point is it loose on the ground? Gets inside McCourty, who stumbles. Ball pops out. I'm not even taking a guess. No. It, it. After review, the receiver possesses the football, becomes a runner, breaks the plane of the goal line. The ruling is confirmed. It is a touchdown. Yeah, you guys remember that? That was amazing. Zach's mind was focused on one thing and one thing alone, and that was catching that football and scoring a touchdown. There was no doubt who he was in that moment, why he was there, and what he intended to do. If you want to win in the Super Bowl of your life, how you think, what you say, and how you see yourself matters. Getting your mind right gets your life right. So number one in your notes, write this down. You are a thinker. You must take ownership for how you think and what you think about. Great thinking leads to a great life. You have a pattern of thinking. Every one of us have a pattern of thinking that is unique to you. And Jesus said, I have come that you might have abundant life. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Did you know you have 60,000 thoughts per day? 80% of those are subconscious. 20% of those are conscious. Antonio Machado said, under all we think lives all we believe. You can't hide from your thought process. It goes with you wherever you go. It's the essence of who you are. You can be no better or no worse a person than the thoughts that fly around in your head. I want to tell you a story about a town that's different than ours. The town is called Duckville, and everyone who lives there is a duck. Everyone is a duck. The stores are duck stores. The movie theater is a duck theater. The park, it's a duck park. The church is a duck church. And on Sunday, all the ducks waddle off and they attend the, the duck church to hear what, to hear what kind of preacher? A duck preacher. And the kids, they go to the duckling ministry and the adults, the, the adult ducks, they come into the auditorium. But this Sunday was different as the duck preacher stood up at the podium and he began to speak. Ducks, you have wings. You can fly, ducks. And he pounded the pulpit with his beak. And with these wings, he says, there is nowhere that you ducks cannot go. There's not one task that you ducks cannot accomplish. And the ducks quacked, amen. And he continued, ducks, ducks, you can fly. You can break the bonds of gravity. You don't have to waddle through life. You no longer need to walk through life. You were made to soar, ducks. And the ducks, man, they begin to shake. And the next thing you know, their wings caught a little air. And they begin to lift off one after another throughout the auditorium. And at first it was chaos. Then they got all excited and started flying in unity around in the auditorium. And they're yelling. These ducks are yelling. We can fly. 
And the ducks quacked back, we can fly. And the pastor preacher duck said, you can fly. We can fly. It was glorious. I mean, it was so glorious. And then more and more ducks got involved with the momentum of the whole thing. And now the entire duck church is flying around in circles and they're yelling, we can fly. We love this service. It's the best one we've ever had. And then they all walked home. Our thinking is a ceiling in our lives. It's a default pattern that we go back to over and over again. Albert Einstein said the significant problems that we face cannot be solved at the same level of thinking we were in when we created them. Our thinking creates our limits. My cousin, when I was a kid, had a go-kart track when I was growing up, and each, each go-kart had, had a limit of how fast it could go. It had what's called a governor. The governor would govern the go-kart's capacity. Smart, successful, spiritual people have learned healthy patterns of thinking, which remove the limits that many people have accepted as their governor and as their way of life. Great leaders think great thoughts. Of the 60,000 thoughts that you have per day, psychologists say that 98% of those were the same ones you had yesterday. And most of them, they say, are negative. So here's the good news. According to the Bible, you can change how you think and what you think about and what your patterns of thinking are. Good thinking patterns have little to do with IQ. They have everything to do with what you choose to think about. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. That's what the Bible says. That's not psychology. That's what the Bible says. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Great thinking leads to a great life. If you want a better marriage, start thinking better thoughts. A better family. Greater success at work. It begins with how you're thinking. You are a thinker. One day Jesus was facing some old thinking in a crowd of people. And so he addressed their thinking with a story. Centuries ago, wine was stored into leather wineskins rather than in bottles. And so animal skins were dried and they were cured until the leather could be shaped into containers to hold the wine. And when wineskins were new, they were soft and pliable and you could stretch them. But as they aged, they would often lose their ability to stretch. They just didn't want to give anymore. When you get older, we call that rigid. When we become hardened, when we become set and fixed in our ways, it's harder to stretch. If a person poured new wine into old wineskin, into old thinking, it would burst. It would explode. I can't accept this. Interestingly enough, when Jesus wanted to encourage his followers to change their thinking, he said this. He said, you can't put new wine in old wineskins. You cannot have a larger future with old thinking. This is still true today. If you've become hardened in how you see your spouse, if you've become hardened in how you see your father or mother or son or daughter, if you've become hardened towards the people that you work with, your own lack of flexibility will literally ruin your future with them. 
Proverbs 18, verse 21, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Thoughts create words. If you are speaking limiting words, minimizing words over people, words of death, words that tear down over your family, over your supervisors, your coaches, your leaders, the the people at, at work that are on your team, you're limiting your relationships. You're creating a governor over your life. Old, rigid wineskin. You are a thinker. Number two, write this down. You are a prophet. In the Bible, a prophet was a person who would deliver a message from God to the people. The prophet would see, hear, and speak from God's point of view. And so to prophesy meant this, that you would see, hear, and speak from God's point of view. Have you ever heard an old saying that goes like this, life is a self-fulfilling prophecy? You are a prophet in this way. Here's what I mean by that. What you say over your life, what you speak over your life, is shaping your future. You're prophesying that over your life. You're either speaking from a higher point of view or you're speaking from an earthly point of view. Words create the decor of your life. They're they're like the furniture in your house. You're, You're familiar with your furniture. There's no place like home. You go on vacation, but you finally get home and you go in and it feels comfortable because you've placed the furniture where you want it. You've decorated the way you wanted it. You've got everything the way you want it and it feels very comfortable. Your words create a life around you. So you and I have been given a very powerful trust, the power to prophesy, in other words, to speak words that will actually create life in other people or death in other people. Moses said, oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets. In a country church, a little altar boy was serving the priest on Sunday mass and he accidentally dropped the wine and the village priest slapped the boy and shouted, leave the church and don't come back. That boy became Tito, the communist leader. In a cathedral in a large city, another altar boy accidentally dropped the wine. And with a twinkle in his eye, the bishop told the boy, one day you'll be a priest. And the boy grew up to be the famous archbishop Fulton Sheen. Our words shape the lives of those that are around us and those that are near us. If we keep complaining about our own kids, if we keep speaking death over our own kids, if we keep fighting with our own kids, what do you get? Fighting. Our words shape the lives of those that are around us and are near us. The words we speak create value. You determine how valuable it is. I mean, it's fun. Yesterday I was at Whole Foods. I met a clerk and she said, what are you going to do tomorrow? I said, oh, I'm going to go to Brave Church. She goes, uh, Wow, I hear that's a great church. I hear it's so cool. I really want to go there. And I said, well, you should come. Words speak value. Our words out into the community create that reality of what God is doing in our midst. What sounds better to you, these words? Does undertaker or funeral director sound better, (laughs) right? How about steward or flight attendant, right? Or LA charger or professional football player, right? (laughs) Words create perception. So why not create good things in your life? I want to repeat that. Why not create good things in your life? 
You are a thinker and you are a prophet. Instead of saying, how you doing? Uh, okay, I guess. Why not say terrific? Like terrific. How you doing? Terrific. Go ahead and say it. Terrific. Go ahead. You can't say it without like getting a little, you know, something. I don't know what that something is. Go ahead and say it again. Terrific. Yeah? How you doing? All right. You can't say that without smiling or, I don't know, squinting or something. Colossians says, set your hearts and minds on things above. Speak from a spiritual dimension or a higher perspective. And when you speak to those that you serve with alongside of Brave at Brave Church or those that you serve with at, at where you work, are your words positive and encouraging and full of life? When you speak to your spouse, are you filling your marriage with positive words? When you talk about your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister, do you speak positive things about them? When you talk about your boss, when you talk about your coach or the people you work with, do you speak positive things about them. You're sowing things. You're shaping things in your world. What are you filling your life with? God said in the book of Isaiah, he said this, he said, we will eat the fruit of our words. Wow. We will eat the fruit of our words. You are a prophet. Getting your mind right gets your life right. When I set the wall thermostat in my house, I choose a temperature in my house. I choose it. I set my mind. I choose the atmosphere of my life. And one of the ways to change your heart and to, to your heart and your mind, it's through faith. It's through faith. Faith changes the temperature of your heart and your mind. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is, is confidence in what we hope for. God wants you to get your hopes up. He wants you to get your hopes up about your marriage. He wants you thinking good things about your marriage. He wants you to get your hopes up about your children and speak good things about them. God wants you to get your hopes up that you're going to win at work, that whatever's coming up this fall at work, that you're going to do well. He wants you to get your hopes up about school, that this is going to be the best school year ever for your kids God says, you're awesome. Say out loud, I am awesome. I am awesome. 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 Now say it with some attitude. I am awesome. Yeah. Some of you were already saying it with attitude. I like that. Getting your mind right gets your life right. Now this is very important. Our thinking creates the boundaries of our life. How far you'll go. Jesus said, according to your faith, it'll be done to you. What you expect out of life, you often what? Get. What you think often comes true. What you believe often comes true. It'll be done to you. Seven times in scripture, Jesus asks a question, and the question is this. It is a spiritual, emotional question, and the question is, what do you see? What do you see? As you look at your life, what do you see? As you look at your marriage and your family and your work, what do you see? As you look at your neighborhood, what do you see? What do you see? How do you see things? How you see things determines how you speak about them. It's a scriptural and psychological fact that we move towards what we see in our mind's eye. That's why God said in Romans 12, verse 2, do not, do not conform to the pattern of this world. 
but be transformed by the renewing, renewing of your mind. Question, do you think the pattern of thinking in this world is mostly positive or mostly negative? Mostly negative, right? Getting your mind right gets your life right. Albert Einstein said the genius is in the question, and Jesus asked us a question. What do you see? We set our hearts and our minds, and that gives us the life we have. What do you see in the team that you serve with? What are you looking for? What do you see in your marriage? What do you see in your kids? Listen, whatever you call out, becomes your life experience. You are a prophet. God's word says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God's game plan is to prosper you and to give you a hope and a future. You get the life you build from the mindset you choose. What new thing is God wanting to show you? Will you let him? Will you allow him to speak into your heart and into your mind? Are you willing to change? Are you willing to allow your outlook to change? There's an old story about a little frog that was born at the bottom of a really small circular well, like those you see in a little small farm. And he and his family, they lived there, and he, he was very content to live there. And he thought... Life doesn't get any better than this, you know? It's just cozy and comfortable with my family here at the bottom of this well, and we have all that we need. But one day he looked up and he noticed some light coming from the top of the well. When he got to the top, the little frog became really curious. He thought, well, what's out there? I mean, I really haven't ever seen what's out there. And so he cautiously climbs out of the well, and the first thing he comes across is a pond. Now imagine you've lived your whole life at the bottom of a well, and the first thing you see is a pond. It's like, whoa. He couldn't believe it. It was like a thousand times bigger than the well that he had been living in. So then he thought, well, if there's a pond, what else is out there? And so he starts going a little further, and then to his amazement, he comes across a lake. He goes, wow, have I ever been missing some really cool stuff? This is amazing. And then he just keeps going. It creates this momentum and life in him. And the next thing you know, he sees an ocean, an ocean. Can you imagine living your whole life in a circular well at the bottom? And now you discover that there's actually an ocean. All he had was a drop in the bucket compared to what God wanted for him. God creates a glorious life plan for us. Ephesians teaches us that. But it's up to us to go after it. You've got to be willing to get out of your circular reasoning in the bottom of a well. You know what circular reasoning is? The argument just keeps going round and round. It's like the national anthem. (laughs) It just keeps going round and round and round. Everybody just keeps going round and round and round. Much of the thinking in America is just circular confusion going round and around and around. Getting your mind right gets your life right. You are a thinker. You are a prophet. Lastly, number three, you are a saint. That's right. Years ago, a story is told of a young college football player who was not very good. Uh, He was second string and rarely played. And one week, uh, as the team was practicing for their homecoming game, 
this second-string player began begging his coach for a chance to play in the upcoming game. Day after day, the kid just pleaded with his coach after practice every day. He was absolutely relentless. He would not leave his coach alone. And finally, game day came. And again, in the locker room before the game, the kid would not let up. You've got to play me. You've got to play me today, coach. You've got to play me today. And finally, the coach says, okay, look, just to get him off his back. Look, you're going to go in for one play and one play only, and then I'm going to pull you out. So sure enough, the coach let him in. The first play of the game, the kid makes an amazing tackle. The coach goes, whoa, okay, you can do a second play. Again, the second play makes an amazing tackle. Okay, well, just keep going. He lets him play the entire first half. It's, it's just amazing. And at halftime, the coach says, wow, this is like bizarre. I mean, hey, kid, what got into you? I mean, I've never seen you play like this before. You can start the third quarter. But if you mess up, same rules. You mess up, you're out of the game. Again, he plays phenomenal the entire second half, finishing the game. He played the entire game. And after the game, the coach is just amazed. He's elated. He goes, man, what got into you? I have never, ever seen you play at that level. And the kid says, coach, do you remember how every day after practice, I would walk around the track with an older man? Yeah, yeah. You know, come to think of it, I do. And he said, well, That elderly man was my father, and he was born blind. He was blind his entire life, and he died last weekend, coach. My father went to heaven this week, and the way I see it, this is the very first game my father ever got to see me play. You will never rise above the image that you have of yourself. You will never rise above the purpose that you've set your life for. When he played, he played for a higher purpose and it changed everything in his life. What could God do in your life if you were to change the temperature reading of your life? Do you know that the Bible teaches us that as followers of Christ, that we are called saints? That there are nearly a hundred verses in the New Testament referring to us as saints, followers of Jesus as saints. Have you ever thought of yourself as a saint? (laughs) The Bible says in Ephesians 4 verse 11 that God gave apostles and prophets and teachers and evangelists. And he says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. The saints, next Sunday is Team Brave Sunday. We're going to celebrate the saints that serve together here. You are a saint. Say it out loud. I am a saint. That's so cool. I don't always feel like a saint. I don't always act like a saint, but I'm a saint. Knowing who you are and what you have changes the way you live. In Ephesians chapter one, it says, God says, you're chosen. All of you, you're chosen. God says, you're adopted. I'm adopting you into my family. You're called. Every one of us have a calling. Every one of us have a life purpose that's bigger than ourselves. And then he says, you're forgiven and you're accepted. And then he says, you're loved by God. You're loved. When you know you're loved, that just changes everything about your performance. You're not nervous. You're not anxious. You're not fearful. You're comfortable. You're in love. There's nothing like it. Do you know what the last thing the quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl, Nick Foles, in the huddle, you want to know what the last thing that Zach heard before he scored that game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl? 
11 men are in a huddle together. The quarterback says to these 10 grown men in the Super Bowl, I love you. That's what he heard before he caught that pass. Knowing you're loved by God helps you accomplish great things in life. You can do so much more with him. When God led the Hebrew uh, people out of Egypt, where they had lived for 400 years, they headed straight towards their promised land. It was only an 11-day journey, but it took 40 years to get there. Why? Well, because they wandered around in the wilderness. They kept going around the same mountain time after time, not making any progress, stuck in a circular bottom of a well. God had prepared them for a land flowing with milk and honey. God had prepared them for a place of abundance. God had prepared them for great freedom in their life. But because they'd been beaten down for so long in their thinking, so oppressed in their thinking, so mistreated, they couldn't conceive of a new way of life. They were stuck in their old identity, their old slavery, their old patterns of thinking. And so instead of moving forward, instead of moving forward in faith and expecting greater things in their life, they did the opposite and they assumed the worst. Do you assume the worst? They assumed the worst. And they saw themselves as victims, as slaves in their situation because they did not love themselves. They could not love themselves. And so they're always complaining. People who do not love themselves are always complaining. Find the number one complainer in your home church, in your church, where you work, in your neighborhood, in your family, and you will find a person who does not love themselves. When you do not love yourself, you complain. You complain about someone. You complain about something else, anything other than yourself. Finally, one day, one day God intervened and he prophesied and he spoke a word of breakthrough over them. He gave them a whole new point of view, a whole new way of seeing things. And he said this, it's in Deuteronomy 1, verse 6. He says, you have dwelt enough on this mountain. I believe God is speaking that over you right now. You have dwelt long enough around this mountain. You have been stuck for way too long in your patterns of thinking. And it's time to move on. You have to let go of those past hurts, the story that you rehearse over and over and over and over again. You've got to let that go. You cannot change that past. Those regrets, they're gone. Those failures, they're gone. It's time to see differently, to think differently. You are a thinker. You are a prophet and you are a saint. Act like it. Live like it. And from, from now on, call me St. Darren if you don't mind, okay? <laughs> Getting your mind right gets your life right. And the first step is making peace with God. Getting your life in alignment. There's nothing like it. In what ways would you like to change your thinking today? In what ways would you like to fly out of here and not waddle home ever again? In what ways have your words been filling your life with? What, what's the conversation around your household and in the car? What old images of yourself need to be put away? You have dwelt long enough on this mountain. Getting your mind right, get your life right. 
Would you bow your heads with me? And if you wouldn't mind just to close your eyes, I just want to give you an opportunity. All of us around here are are making choices and decisions to begin to follow Jesus with our lives. And that's the first step. That's the big decision maker in your life. Would you like to follow Jesus? Would you like to follow that path? Maybe you could look at your life and say, I've been following my path. I've been making my choices. Wouldn't it be amazing to get God involved in the details of your life? And if you're here today and you say, yes, yes, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I'd like, re- I'd like to receive forgiveness of my sins. I'd like a new way of thinking. I want to begin again. I want to repent and start all over again. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you just slip up your hand if you said, that's me. That's me. Go ahead. That's great. That's great. How many of you here this morning, you said, man, when you started talking about that going around the mountain again, going around the mountain again, and that I've dwelt there long enough, and you started thinking of ways, things you've been saying and speaking over your life, and you realize, you know what? That's got to stop. Raise your hand. Say, yes, that's me. That's good. That's good. Amen. 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 Father in heaven, Lord, I pray for all of those that raised their hand and those that made decisions, choices in their heart and their mind to begin to follow you today. Lord Jesus, we ask you to forgive us of all of our sins and come into our life. We trust in you, Lord Jesus. And now, Lord, we declare that we are saints in you, that we have a purpose and we have a great calling. And Lord, just open up our minds, blow our minds to see what you want to do in the days ahead in our lives, in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? I want us to sing this song as a song of declaration. And we're going to sing this, Who You Say I Am. And then after the giving, we're going to sing that new song again. We're talking about breakthrough in our lives together. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's our hope that you will let this message go deep within your soul and allow Jesus to do the work that only He can do. We also want to encourage you to partner with us here at Brave. Go to brave.church and become a regular giver and be part of how God is using this message to help people find and follow Jesus.